Bibles, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, go ahead and turn there. For some weeks, we have been looking at some of the face-to-face encounters people have had with Jesus. We've been looking at them, particularly in the Gospel of John, these face-to-face encounters, personal interactions, where Jesus came to someone or someone came to Jesus, and in some cases, just for a few moments in some uh, a rather long dialogue, but they had this face-to-face encounter. But I need to tell you, as I've, I've shared with you in previous weeks, that this is not simply reciting history from a long time ago. It is not just retelling something that happened. But we look at these things because what Jesus did in people's lives then, he desires to do in people's lives today. It's not just something that he did, but something he does there, there were people, we've looked at a number so far, but there have been people who started the story with an incurable disease, but Jesus healed them. There were people that started the story uh, with, uh, who, who, were, who were dead, and, and Jesus gave them life. There were people at the beginning of the story, before the face-to-face encounter, who were absolutely controlled and consumed by demonic spirits. But at the end of the story, they're set free. You see, this is what happens when people come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you have heard this before, that, and it's packaged in a, in a number of different ways, that, that what we do is not so much a religion as much as a relationship. And by that, we mean this, that if Christianity is simply a belief system alongside any number of other belief systems, then it is powerless to change a life. But when people know the person behind Christianity, the founder of Christianity, when they come into a personal relationship with him, then they will experience life transformation. That's what this is all about. That serving Jesus is not just knowing some things about him and identifying with a religion. It is knowing the person and being transformed by him. And to me, that's the most wonderful, exciting thing in the world. Well, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 tells us this. Now as they, that is Jesus and the disciples, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha, welcomed him into her house. The village, we know, was called Bethany. We know it from elsewhere, another place in Scripture. The village was Bethany, and it was a a small village just outside of Jerusalem. It's like a bedroom community to the larger capital city. And we also know, again, from elsewhere in Scripture, that Martha shared her house With a sister named Mary, you're going to see her here in a moment, she shared her house, Martha shared the house with with a sister named Mary and a brother named Lazarus. So you have these two sisters and a brother, and they often, as it says here, welcome Jesus and his disciples into their home. And, And a careful reading of all of the texts having to do with Martha you, you really get the idea that Martha had what we call the gift of hospitality. Do you know what the gift of hospitality? Some of you have that. The gift of hospitality is 
you, you love to have people into your home, not to show them, uh, show off your home or something, but you just love to entertain them. You love to put them at ease. You love to feed them and make them comfortable. You find a lot of, a lot of personal delight in having someone in your home and you caring for them or serving them in some way. Martha, I believe, just looking at the different texts having to do with her, I think Martha had this gift of hospitality. Now, verse 39 and the first part of verse 40 tells us this. Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the, feet, at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. So you have Mary sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to his teacher, but Martha distracted with much serving. So very early in this brief account, you see this contrast. These two sisters, but you see this contrast. Mary, it says, again, seated at the feet of Jesus. Picture this in your minds. She is seated, Jesus is seated there, and, and, and Mary probably on the floor, her legs tucked under her, and she's looking up at Jesus, and she's listening to what he is saying. She's face-to-face with Jesus. This is, this is one of those face-to-face encounters. It doesn't record what Jesus was saying, although I'm sure it was life-giving, everything that he said. He, it wasn't some kind of you know, stupid conversation. But she's sitting there listening to what Jesus has to say to her. Martha, however, it says, was distracted with much serving. Now, I don't know exactly what she was doing. She was, you know, maybe arranging a guest room or, or she's cleaning the house or she's busy preparing a meal. You have to understand at this time they didn't have, you know, they didn't have, a, you know, cell phones or even landlines where they called ahead and say, hey, we're going to be there, you know, next Tuesday. And she's got like days to get ready. It didn't happen that way. They just kind of showed up. It wasn't, you know, a text 15 minutes out, we're going to be there, we're going to be there in just a few minutes, and she has time to prepare. No, Jesus and the disciples have shown up, and so it says she's distracted with all of her preparation. She's distracted with with, with much serving. She's getting everything ready. But I want you to notice that word. You see it there in front of you. I want you to see the word distracted. The, the, the word distracted, the Greek word there, it means to be um, overly occupied. Uh, we would say they're, they're preoccupied. It, it, it means, uh, here's, here's a way that we would say it. We would say, Martha's a little stressed out. <laughs> kind of what we would say. She's a little stressed out, uh, distracted, uh, overly consumed with this. But here's the thing, and I think in, in, in one sense, even the more important thing, and, and we'll see why or how in a moment, but we also know here from this text that Martha was angry. She's angry. She's, she's angry at her sister. Not angry at Mary was doing, but really angry at Mary, at what Mary was, was failing to do, or what she was not doing. Uh, Martha's words reveal her anger. Words often reveal our, our inner feelings. And uh, Jesus, in another place, said it's out of, out of what's in the heart that the mouth speaks. And so we know that Martha was angry because verse 40, 
Martha went up to Jesus. She's face-to-face, right? This is a face-to-face encounter. She went up to Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. There's a lot of stories in the Bible that I wish I knew the backstory to the story. Uh, I'd like to know just a little brief backstory to what was happening here because here's what I think was happening. I think as Martha is getting everything ready and, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to him, I think Martha, I think Martha would walk by and she would go, you know, signal with her, hey, are, are, are you listening? Are, are, are you going to help me? Ha, has this ever happened to anyone else? You're walking by and they're talking with someone, so you walk behind the someone and you give them the look. Anyone else ever done that? Right? Like, mm, help me out here. I mean, that's what the look says, even though if you don't use words. And I think she's shooting things at, 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 at her sister. And, 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 the more she, and she's got so much to do. And there's Mary just sitting there listening to Jesus. We have guest rooms to get ready. We have, we have, we have roast to get ready. We have potatoes to peel. And she's just sitting there. And the longer it goes, the more angry she becomes. Anybody, can anybody feel the pain there, right? Now, remember I mentioned earlier that they had a brother as well. I want to know where's the brother in all of this? My opinion, I think he saw what was going down here. He went into the garage. He's like rotating the horseshoes on the donkey or something. He's, he's like, I am out of here. Maybe he's been sent off to the market to, you know, get some more food. I don't know, but he's not in this picture. But Martha was angry. Martha was, who, let let me ask you, who was Martha, I need some feedback here, who was Martha angry at? Mary. She's angry at her sister, but she directed her anger who? To who? At Jesus. Please notice that. That's very important. If you just do a quick reading of that, you'll, you'll miss that, but that's a very important point. She was angry at Mary. Martha was angry at Mary, but she directed her anger at Jesus. She was angry at a person. She was angry at a situation. But she directs her anger at Jesus. I wonder... How many times people have been angry at a person, angry at something that happened, maybe angry at something that hasn't happened, angry at some difficult, strenuous, difficult, frustrating, distracting, stressful situation, and they turn their anger at Jesus. Please, this is not a time for response, but is this, has that ever happened to you? I know it's happened to me, where something happens and, and, and I don't like it. I, I don't like how it's going down. I don't like what's happening. I don't like this situation. I don't like the stresses that I'm feeling, and I can kind of, at times, turn it towards Jesus. That's what's, that's what's happening here. She can't, she doesn't go off on on Mary, but she goes off on 
on Jesus. How, how many times have you heard people say, oh, I'm angry at God? Well, are you angry at God because God did something or because you think that he failed to make something happen? Are you angry at God because things are not working out the way that you thought they should or could? And notice, please, Martha's words. She said, Lord, she started out with, Lord, do you not care? <laughs> Lord, do you not care? Now, just, just look at that part of it. Lord, do you not care? Again, don't respond to this, but you ever said something and later on you think, boy, that was a dumb thing to say. Like, what, what was I thinking when I said that? Martha is asking Jesus, the, who will be the Savior of the world. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is God himself. He is the creator. He is the, he is the caregiver. He is, he is the central person in salvation. And she's saying, do you not care? I am really grateful for, for grace and that because of God's grace, the things that we say here will be forgiven and we won't take it to heaven. How many are really grateful for that? Which is a good thing because someday I'm going to meet Martha. I'm going to see her face to face and when that happens, I don't want to go, oh, you're the one that said Jesus doesn't care? Really? Because that's kind of what, as I'm looking at this story, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what she's saying. Perhaps someone here this morning has in some way at some point in, the, in, the recent his, in your recent history, perhaps you've said, Lord, do you care? Maybe someone here has experienced something extremely difficult, something extremely hurtful, and you've directed it towards Jesus and you've said, do you not care? There's a lot to this story, and so I want to get to that, but I, I need to just address that. Let me be very, very, very emphatic and clear on something, and that is Jesus cares. He cares. He cares for you so much. He sees the hurt in this world. He saw it leading up to this moment. He saw it leading up to the cross. And Jesus knew that the only way to bring reconciliation between God and mankind, to the only way to bring some healing to the hurt of this world, was to come and live as a man and die on that cross and be raised from the dead so that we might have new life. Let me tell you something. He cares. First Peter, by the way, the other disciples are here. Uh, I don't know how much of this they're taking in, but years later, Peter, who was, who was here at, in, in the house at this time, Peter wrote this, and I don't know if he was thinking of this situation, but the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to write these words from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, and that is, you can cast all of your cares or in one translation says, you can cast all of your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. 
You can cast everything on him. You can cast all of your anxieties. You can cast all of your worries upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. If you hear nothing else, some of you need to hear this today. Jesus cares for you. He does care. Martha's saying, do you not care? No, let me, let me reassure you, he cares. Martha called Jesus Lord. She said, Lord, don't you care? Lord means master, uh, ruler. When, to call someone Lord means you recognize their authority. She called Jesus Lord, but then she treated him like a servant. Think about that. She called him Lord and then treated him like a servant. Lord, one who has authority, master, don't you care? Tell her to help me. I don't like this situation, so instead of, even though she called him Lord, she treats him like a servant. And as I was preparing this and studying through this passage, I, 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 was, I was a little bit overcome, and I said, Lord, have there been times when I have done that? I call you Lord, but then I treat you like a servant, like I expect you to do this. I demand that you do this. You will do this. I don't like how this person is treating me. I don't like what this person is doing or isn't doing. So would you make them? I don't like this frustrating situation. So I want you to do this. Some people, and maybe even Mary, I don't know. But she said, don't you care? Tell her. It's almost as if she's saying, prove yourself, prove your authority, exert your authority on my behalf. That's very bothersome. But we can do that. We can make those expectations and those demands. Lord, if you're really Lord, then you need to do this. Do you know in all of Scripture, in all of Scripture, all 66 books of the Bible, both Old and New Testament, there's only one place in the Bible where God says, put me to the test. And it's in regards to our giving but that's the only place in all of Scripture where God says, go ahead and, 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 and test me in this and see if I won't prove myself. But so often we say, go ahead and prove yourself. You have authority. You do this. She calls him Lord but treats him like a servant. God, guard my heart. Help me never, help me never to, to acknowledge you as Lord, as my master, and then I treat you like a servant. So Martha went off on Jesus, but Jesus didn't go off on Martha. How many here are very grateful for the gracious Lord that we serve? I'm telling you, man, there have been things that I've said, things that I've done, that, that if God were not gracious, I would have been a cinder a long time ago. Uh, just a, a little smoking piece of ash. Same with you. She went off on Jesus. Jesus did not go off on her. Verses 41 and 42 read this way, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. When, when, when you see, a two, it, that's an affectionate, an affectionate way of putting it. When you, you, you can't say, oh, Martha, Martha, in, in, a, in a hostile way. Martha, Martha. 
You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Jesus said, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Another translation says, you're worried and bothered. Let me ask you, there's a lot to this, isn't there, in this story. Let me ask you, are you anxious and troubled about many things? Are there a lot of things that are, are, are causing a great deal of anxiety and trouble in your heart and in your mind? Well, there's a lot of people that are experiencing levels of anxiety and trouble unlike they've ever had in their lives. Are you anxious and troubled about some things? For, for Mary, excuse me, for Martha, it was just, you know, she's got a lot to do in a little time. There's a lot of people with a lot of expectations and she wants it just right. Well, that may not be your situation. You may be anxious and troubled about any number of other things. You know, this was on, I woke up about, I mean, it was like 4.02 this morning. I woke up and I was wide awake and immediately something was sitting on my, my heart and my mind. And I kind of worried over for about two minutes and then I heard this voice. It wasn't from God, it was just because this verse was in my, and I, and I heard this, Gary, Gary, you are worried and troubled about so many things. And I had to commit it again to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I have to give that to you again. I've given it to you before, but I give it to you again. Hmm. He said Martha was concerned about many things, but only one thing was important. He said Mary chose the one thing that would not be taken away. He said she chose it. You see that word chosen. Mary has chosen the good portion. She chose to do it. Mary's focus, Mary sitting there at Jesus' feet did not happen by accident. It wasn't some random chance kind of thing. It was a willful and purposeful choice. We sang this morning, I choose to worship. If you come on a Sunday morning or you gather with any other number of believers in any place and you begin to worship the Lord and you say, well, I just don't feel like it, then you will probably never worship or worship very little. When you come and you sit at his feet and say, I feel like it, if, if that's the only thing that determines it, then you will probably never come to, to sit at his feet. But when we choose to come before him, something happens. See, I don't know, the, I, again, I don't know the rest of the story. I don't know what's going on with Mary. But she chose to be here. She knew there were things to do. Mary was not dumb. She's very aware. She's very aware that there's a crowd of people to house and to feed, and there's a lot to do. But it says she chose to do what she did. She chose to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his words. Listen to me, choices. That word chosen that you see before, it's a, the, the root word choice, it's an extremely important word. There are so many things over which you and I have little or no choice. Think about it. There are some things over which we have little or no choice. How about this one, the actions of other people? Don't you wish you could choose their responses, their actions? If you could, you would, but you can't, so don't try. There, we, you don't have a choice over what some people say or do. That person who hurt you, you don't have a choice over that. You, you, you feel terrible, it's painful, I'm not minimizing that. But so we don't have the choice over what some people do. We don't have a, much of a choice over, over what the decisions that, that 
that are made by influential people. We don't have much of a choice in the matter. We're so far removed from some of these, these places of leadership. We don't have a lot of choice, but they happen. How about this? How about global economies and international conflicts? I mean, what choice do we have in that? How about the weather? Do we have a choice in the weather? Do we have a choice in the, in, in, some of you are really struggling in because of the, the price of crops or commodities, and, and, and you're thinking, what choice do I, there are so many things in our world over which we have little or no choice. Let, however, as followers of Jesus Christ, we will choose every day to busy ourselves in the many things that we do in life or to set aside for a time, it all aside, to listen to the words of Jesus. See, that I have a choice on. There's so many things in my life, your life, that we have no, no choice in the matter, but I have a choice in the time that I spend with Jesus Christ. I have control over that. I can choose or I can choose not to spend time with him. Do we really believe this? Do we really believe that, that, that the things that we do for Christ will last forever, that will not be taken away? Well, we have been reminded in our world how quickly things can be taken away. We've been reminded of that. Some of you have had loved ones in recent weeks, months, or even in the last year, and, and, and they're taken away, and oh, the pain that goes with that. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you right now, and you're watching, and you're listening to this message, and you're thinking, man, I, I've lost so much. It, so many things in this world can be taken away like that. But the things that are done in Christ's name, the time that I spend with him, that no one can take away. Do we really believe that, that what I do for Christ, what I do in his name, that, that my time spent with him, that my face-to-face my interactions with him do we really believe that that's eternal because if we really believe that that's eternal then that will be the biggest priority in our lives to say lord there's so many things over which i'm distracted there are so many things but i push all of that aside so i can spend some time with you i would love to tell you this morning that i am more like mary than martha but you know something i'm more martha than mary Some of you know me very well. I'm, I love to do things. I, love to, I, I have lists and I love to knock things off the list and, and, I, and I, I love to accomplish things. And just a, a day of not accomplishing something is an extremely disturbing day to me. I love to do things. When I wake up in the morning, I immediately start thinking of all of the things that I get to do today. And some things that I have to do today. And one of the greatest challenges that I face as an individual, as a follower of Christ, is to push all of that aside and say, no, I'm going to spend some time with Jesus because I know that will not be taken away. I know that is eternal. I know that's what's going to transform me. And I have found this. I've found that. I'm still finding it out because I, you know, I, I do well and then I don't do well for a while. But I found this out, that if I do the Mary thing, the Martha things all work out. You know what I'm saying? 
all of the things that I have to do, if I do the Mary thing, if I spend time with Jesus, then the Martha thing is much more effective. And I have a peace as I'm going throughout the day. Still don't have a lot of choice on some things. Still don't have a lot of control over things. But I know that if I do the Mary thing, then the Martha things will work out. Some years ago, a woman named Corey Ten Boom wrote a simple and profound poem. I've mentioned her before. Um, uh, she's a, a personal hero of mine. But, but I, 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 that what, something that she wrote is extremely pertinent to where we're at today. Some of you may recognize the name Corey Ten Boom. If you don't know who that is, you'll appreciate her words more if you first know that Corey, she was Dutch, the, the ten is it's Dutch, the, the, you need to know that Corey Ten Boom lived for Jesus and ministered to others during one of the most difficult times in her nation's history. She was Dutch and she lived during the German occupation of the Netherlands during World War II. And then later, because she sheltered Jewish people, uh, she was arrested and placed in, in one of the most wretched places in recent history, and that is a Nazi concentration camp in Germany called Ravensbrück. Corrie ten Boom lost her home, she lost her freedom, and she lost many members of her family in what's become known as the Holocaust. I give you that brief backstory because she knew something about troubling times. Corey Ten Boom wrote this Look around and be distressed. Look within and be depressed. Look to Jesus and be at rest. Let me just parse that out a little bit. If if you spend much of your time looking around, you are going to be distressed. You are going to be worried and bothered, anxious and bothered about so many things. If you spend so much time, too much time, looking around at what's happening in our culture, what's happening in our nation, what's happening around the world, what's perhaps happening in your family, if you spend a lot of time looking around, you are going to be distressed. If you look within, you know what the, much of the world says, the answer is within you. What a crock. What a horrible lie. That the answer is to be found in you. I don't know about you, but there's nothing in me that is worth anything, only, what, uh, only that, is, that, that is Jesus. If we look and try to find the answers within ourselves, you will come up wanting and you will be depressed. But I love the last part of that. Look to Jesus and be at rest. Powerful. Now some of you may be thinking, you know, that's a nice poem, but it's not the real world. Maybe someone's thinking, well, that's a, that's a nice, sentimental, cute little phrase but our current troubles are too big, too real, too intense, too many layers to simply say, look to Jesus and find some rest. You say, you may think, you know, that's quaint, but there's not much to it. 
But let me ask you this. Are our troubles greater than the troubles of those who've gone before us? What we're going through, what you're going through right now, are your troubles right now greater than those who've gone before us? Didn't those early believers, some of those first believers in the first century, didn't they find their rest in Jesus when they were forced into a Roman Colosseum and fed to the lions? Didn't they find their rest in Jesus then? I know that they did. I, I just referenced this woman to, who, <coughs> who served Jesus Christ and ministered to others inside of, a, inside of a Nazi concentration camp. And you think your problems are bigger? Didn't she find rest? How about the persons who trusted God and were thrown into a Siberian gulag? Didn't they find their rest in Jesus? How about the persons right now who are in a North Korean jail and, and, and their, their lives are, are just hanging by a thread? Don't they find their rest in Jesus? How about the person who's been diagnosed with something and the future is suddenly extremely tenuous? Doesn't that person find their rest? How about the person who just experienced some natural disaster, some kind of thing that, that took everything from them? They find, if they're in Jesus, they find their rest in him. <coughs> Sometimes we think that our problems are bigger. My friends, the followers of Jesus who went before us in centuries before us, they have found their rest in Jesus Christ, and so can we. My devotions, I'm reading through Genesis right now, and I've gotten to the part of Joseph. And the other day, uh, two, three days ago, I was just reading through there, and, and I'm reading how he's put to the test. He's being tested with his brothers, and he's being tested with Potiphar's wife, and then he's being tested in a prison, and eventually he's going to be tested in, with, with much authority. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And because, you know, I mean, we've all been challenged by these things of, in recent months. And how, how it's in, in varying degrees very difficult doing what you did before under these circumstances. And, and, and it's, been, it's been difficult on me. And, and, I, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me as I was reading that early of, um, morning a few days ago. And the Holy Spirit said, this is your test for right now. We're all being tested. What you're going through, and it may be unique to you. The person down the pew from you, the person across the street from you, may not be experiencing what you're going through, but you're being, you're being tested. But I, I, can, I can assure you this morning, look to Jesus and you will find rest. Look to Jesus and you will find hope. Whatever it is that you're facing, he's going to strengthen you. He's going to bring you through this. And I want to pray this over you this morning. This morning, um, as we close, uh, these altars, as, as always, are going to be open, and there will be people here to pray with you. Uh, if you have a, a need that, that you would like prayer for, if you'd like prayer for healing, there will be people to do this. But, but in closing this morning, I, I want to pray over you. I, I would like you to stand, if you would, throughout this sanctuary, and, and I want to pray for God's rest in you. Um, this this face-to-face -face encounter that Jesus had 
with a Mary and with a Martha. Uh, we see ourselves in them in varying degrees. But I, I pray that at the end of your story or at the end of your day, you will be found at the beginning of your day, throughout your day, you will be found not looking around, because if you do, you'll be distressed. Not looking within, because <laughs> if you do, you'll be depressed. But to look to Jesus and to, be, and to find that rest. Hallelujah. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to pray this over you. And, uh, and then uh, if, if you need to go, God bless you. These altars will be open. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come to you as a gathering of believers. And at the close of our time together today, Lord, I thank you that you've spoken to us, that this face-to-face encounter so many years ago is for us today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will be the Mary, that we will do the part that we will choose, that we will choose that part which will not be taken from us, that we will choose that thing, Lord, that we, it's it's not a matter of our feelings, it's, it's not a matter of what someone else does, but that we will choose to push all of this aside at times throughout our day to fall at your feet and receive you receive your words Lord that those those minutes early in the morning or throughout the day or at lunchtime or when they escape during a break and they open up a Bible I pray that you will meet with them there and that you will give them rest there and that you will give them peace there I pray Jesus that you will help them do the Martha thing better because they've done the Mary thing. I pray this. Thank you, Lord, for your presence and for your power. And now, Lord, as we make our way out of this building, as you meet some in prayer here in this, at, the, at these altars, we pray, Lord, your favor upon us. May we call you, Lord, and may we serve you as our Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in the power in the presence and in the rest of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like a fire, shut up in my bones.